All right. Yep. So um, carrying on from last week, we're going to cover some of the continued news from the NAB acquisition. So last week um, we talked about NAB are looking to buy Citigroup's Aussie consumer banking arm. Uh, and mm. so the ACCC, which is sort of the, the, the regulating body that's supposed to ensure competition. Yeah. Ensure competition among the banking space. They uh, have basically put forward a thing saying, asking for anyone to submit any supporting or opposing documentation to the ACCC to sort of say why this might not be good for consumer yeah. uh, competition yeah. going forward. So the commission also noted that NAB and City overlap and they compete in supply of services like credit cards, home loans, low interest credit cards, personal loans, transaction and savings accounts, wealth management and investment products. So yeah, um, it stands to be a pretty big um, acquisition if NAB do go ahead and get it. And I think it's supposed to be closing early next year. I believe March 2022 is how long they have to to sort of finalize the deal if the ACCC don't want to get involved. So were there anything, any thoughts you had going forward about this? Yeah, look, I think you know, it's reasonable for them to do that because, you know, the Consumer and Competition Commission looks at, yeah, anti-competitive things happening right across industry. You know, they look at, you know, petrol prices, they look at banking products, they look at, you know, big mergers and all that sort of stuff. I suppose the only thing that I'd say is that I'm not sure, I think originally when Citibank said that they were looking to exit the Australian market, it might have just been, I can't remember was whether ING were interested as well, but then pulled out. So ING I just retained. don't yeah, I just don't see there's anyone else in the market for buying City at the moment. So, yeah, it'd be hard for them to knock it back, I think, when, um, when yeah, they're the only buyer. So I suppose, you know, the, the ACCC might put some um, conditions on their approval, which, right. um, but yeah, so they're interested to see how that plays out. Speaking of, before we go ahead, how's your week been otherwise? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. We've got a few um, people we're helping at the moment. And um, I thought I heard on the radio they were talking about people reading books during um, COVID lockdown. So I've decided to have a uh, another crack at War and Peace. So it's quite riveting. I'm on page 23 at the moment. Okay. So good. okay. I don't... <laughs> Was there uh, something you be... wanted to mention about the book, Dave? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> not, not yet. Okay. The, I can't keep it straight back. Really, <laughs> characters haven't really developed too much yet. Okay, that's good. I'm sure they. I'm sure they will. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, so there's a big major brokerage that uh, commissioned a survey of a, a 1,003 Aussies aged 18 and over who also have a home loan to get an idea yeah. of the, uh, I guess you could say, p discouraging results that show that a lot of people don't really want to refinance or they have a negative connotation attached to their thoughts yeah. around refinancing. So I'll give you some statistics and then we'll go into why why, yeah. uh, why you think people feel this way and what, why people mm -hmm. shouldn't be afraid of refinancing. So um, 60% yeah. of borrowers' surveys hadn't reviewed their loans in the last 12 months or since securing their mm -hmm. loan, and 20% of respondents have acted or refinanced in that period. 
despite six in 10 borrowers stating they aren't confident they had a good deal currently, 62% Uh of those said that they understand the importance of it, but uh, a lot of them believed it was too hard and they were unsure of where to begin. So there's a lot of confusion around how the process works. So I thought maybe we could just break down why, pardon me, why refinancing is important and how the process uh, typically works. If you were going through uh, an award-winning brokerage service like Money Saver Home Loans or someone similar. Absolutely, or or any any other broker. Or any other broker, for sure. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's around. So, yeah, look, I suppose the thing is, um, like a lot of things, people get comfortable in their life. So they'll be in a home loan and they'll figure, it's not too bad. Um, I'm managing my repayments quite easily. Um, you know, I might've got the loan when rates were three or 4% and now it's high, you know, mid to high 2%. So it's actually quite cheap. Um, you know, I understand the banking apps. I've got credit cards with them, car loan, you know, might have a car loan, got, you know, transaction accounts and all this manner of stuff. So they're quite comfortable. So they don't really see the benefit because, you know, there's no, there's nothing really to, um, to, to push them. So that, that's one of the reasons people just stay put, you know, they think they're in a reasonable deal and just couldn't be bothered. Um, the benefit of refinancing, and we do this for quite a lot of clients who, um, who have a home loan that is at a higher rate is you can usually refinance to a lower rate and get like a cash back from the lender you're coming to to help mm. defray the costs. Right. And yeah, the cost of refinancing might be about you know three fifty to um, discharge our mortgage and maybe you know one to two hundred fifty bucks to set up the new one. So you're out of pocket four fifty to seven hundred dollars, but a new lender is going to give you between two and three grand. Yeah. Plus, you'll probably save, yeah, fifty bucks a month. Now, if you put that fifty a month off your loan, um, you're going to wipe probably, yeah, you could wipe a significant period off your loan term. So, the main reason for refinancing, you know, one is to free up cash flow because you know you might be doing it pretty tight because you're on a on a uncompetitive loan. But the main reason to do it is. Um, to what you know, to pay your loan off quicker. So that's what we encourage people to do. Um, sometimes we'll refinance their existing loan and get some cash to do some renovations or pay out higher interest debt or even to buy an investment property. And you know, if you buy an investment property, most of those are cash flow positive. So any extra cash you get from that, you can use to pay down your home loan, that you know, okay. you know, the loan on the place you live in. So yeah, you know, I'd always encourage people. If you're with a broker, um, every year or two, there they will um, review your loan, just as a matter of course. We do it with with our clients. Um, if your broker's not doing it, ring them up and ask them to do it. Mm. And if they're not forthcoming, maybe go find someone else who'll you know make sure you're in the best loan moving forward. Another thing we're going to cover real quick. So let's say my, let's let's break this down to a micro level, Dave. Um, Yes. Bankwest analysis of Western Australian savings goals revealed a shift in priorities um, and short, sort of highlighting that over the last, I'd say, 18 months with COVID, um, many people have changed up what sort of goals they have financially shifting over to yeah. saving for a future home or renovating. So they examined data from more than 100,000 entries in the savings goals of their Bankwest app and compared the results mm-hmm. of this year in August to 2020 in August. Yep, yep. Across all generations they surveyed, 
the volume the volume of home related savings goals had actually doubled so mm-hmm. home related goals increased by 120% across all generations this started at gen z 14 to 22 all the way up to 54 to 73 all of them increased by at least 100% over the last year so um I guess this might be a bit of a signal that there'd been a surge in volume of big purchase goals um, and mm-hmm. more people over in Western Australia have prioritized saving money for a house deposit or for renovations more than mm-hmm. the same time last year. What did you think of yep. those stats? Yeah, no, I think I think you'd probably find they're consistent across the country. Um, you know, they looked at 100,000 entries in the, in the app. That's quite a big survey. And I think with um, you know, people people not travelling, interest rates being low, it being as it's probably cheaper in most places to buy than it is to rent. Right. Um, you know, a lot a lot a lot more people are spending time at home, so they would be um, um, you know, you know, updating their property, renovating the property, those sorts of things. Um, the other thing is people can't get cars at the moment as well. Um, mm. We've got a few clients who've been looking to buy cars, especially new cars, and there's about a you know, four to six month plus waiting list. So you know, people are buying less new cars because um, you, know, you can't get them. So yeah, it's not the stats aren't surprising at all. Yeah, okay. Um, another thing we're going to cover, so obviously there's the big four banks, right? There's Westpac, mm-hmm. uh, Commonwealth Bank, NAB, ANZ. Is the, they're the big four banks in Australia. Yeah. Westpac lost a good amount of their market share last year, and part of that mm-hmm. was due to how long it was taking to process loan applications. Yeah, A lot of their processing uh, capacity was operated overseas in the Philippines and India. So last yeah. year a lot of their staff uh, staff members weren't able to go to work in Philippines and India. So they just lost a lot of uh, business as a result. So this yeah. year they've just announced some new offerings for different loan products with a sub mm-hmm. 2% uh, variable interest rate for some of their loans for two years on a fixed interest. Um, and as well yeah. as uh, Bank of Melbourne and St. George Bank, which are part of the Westpac group, have also dropped their interest rates uh, pretty low. And I just wondered what yeah. your thoughts are, whether you think this is a good move and what this could yeah. mean for anyone looking to get a home loan. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, what happened last year was um, when countries overseas were locked down, uh, Westpac, because they had a lot of their processing done overseas and ANZ as well, yeah. um, their timeframes for approval blew out significantly. Yeah. So, um, you know, word got round and a lot of people who would go direct to a, a bank went elsewhere. And when people come to brokers, um, a lot of brokers took people elsewhere because of their timeframes. Right. So they've, they've sorted that out. Um, Westpac have hired over a thousand new staff. Um, they're redeploying you know, staff from branches as well because um, you know, they're closing branches. Right. So what they're looking to do, they're making a big push for the refinancing market. And they've introduced their, their basic loan, the Flexi First, um, is below 2%, which is um, unheard of in the big four bank. You know, it's very, it's the cheapest by a long way mm. you know, compared to the other big four banks. And they've also um, dropped, their, they dropped their two-year fixed rate, but increased their three, four and five-year fixed rate. So you can see a few of the banks are starting to price in that um, fixed rates they expect to go up over 
you know, the next three or four years, which is what our mate from the um, Reserve Bank said as well. And another thing to mention with the loan processing, like how how maybe there'll be huge loan processing times or SLAs, as people would mention them. Part of what brokers have to do now legally is a thing called best interest duty. We talked about it when it was being yes. implemented. And so uh, you might be seeing a broker and the options a broker's giving you might not be the cheapest interest rate that's on offer from all of the banks they have at their uh, fingertips. Yep. Brokers might be aware of something that the customer isn't, which is that certain banks, despite having a low interest rate or having a really good cashback offer to refinance to that bank, yep. their processing times might be really blown out timeframes like what happened last year with Westpac and ANZ. And so yep. part of a broker's legal obligation is to figure out what's the best loan for that, uh, for that client and to yep. make sure that even though maybe the interest rate's better, you might be trying to buy a house in the next two weeks. And if a broker knows that your loan application isn't even going to be looked at for a month, that's going yeah. to come into play. And that might play a role in you getting a different loan to something you'd be expecting. Yeah, that, that, that's part of it. Um, you know, when you're working out your finance, if you're buying a property, you need to make sure you're with a lender that can meet your time frame. So in those, in those, um, Days, yeah, early in the pandemic when yeah, some of the banks' timeframes blew out markedly. Yeah, if you were going to auction in two or three weeks, and the yeah, it was going to take four to five weeks till the bank um, could assess your loan. Yeah, that that sort of took them out of the um, the um, you know lender options because you just yeah. yeah you got yeah it's it's not just about rate; it's also about. Um, making sure that you know the bank can meet your finance in time another yeah. thing we we're going to cover was just uh touching on something we brought up over the last couple of weeks with how you guys are in a, a lockdown statewide as well yeah. sydney for july sydney recorded its largest drop in new listings over july since national lockdowns began last year in april so the RIA yeah. Insights listing report for August revealed the dramatic impact that um, lockdowns have had on property sales. So this isn't highlighting that house prices have dropped uh, yeah. at, at what they're selling for. It's just highlighting how many, uh, there's been a big drop in how many people are trying to sell their houses right now. So new listings yeah. in July fell by 27.3%, which is again, the largest drop since national lockdowns commenced way back in April last year when COVID was first hitting us. Um, search activity on realestate.com.au increased uh, by 19% during the previous week leading in, but it's still, um, it's still sort of uh, the outcome has been that a lot, uh, a lot less people are trying to sell their house right now, but there's still a big demand for buying houses. Yes. Yeah. So look at the moment, we've talked about this before about um, seagulls and chips, that um, yeah, the number of new, yeah, new listings on the market has dropped quite a bit. I think the stat you said was, yeah, 27.3%, but the number of sales has gone up 40 to 50% in some markets. So if you've got, and I liken uh, myself and a few of the other property commentators like and what's happening to real estate at various times is like what happens when, um, when there's lockdowns and there's rush to buy toilet paper. Yeah, the, the price goes up because, you know, in a lot of places because um, there's less supply and more demand. 
So at the moment, um, yeah, it's really weird. Prices are staying high, mainly because um, the there's just not enough stock. So, mm. you know, that was sort of highlighted by Simon Presley, who's been on your show a couple of times, um, that we've got a national undersupply of housing. It's probably going to get worse, um, you know, as more people want to immigrate to Australia, once every, you know, once the world's vaccinated, it's probably just going to keep going. And we are we're, we're seeing our clients all around the country, um, you know, having to you know we we recommend to people you know if 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 they're looking at a property and it's five hundred grand as the top of the guide, you've probably got to add at least you know five to maybe 15 percent to that because um, that's just what's happening at the moment. One of the last things I had for us today was some analysis from a company called Routers or Reuters. I have no idea how to pronounce Reuters. it. Reuters. Reuters, 100% <laughs> suggesting that yeah. Australia's red-hot housing market will continue to boom. And, uh, and most likely, the, the main way that the housing market might plateau is affordability, and that's, that's it, right? So the, the lower the supply of housing, the argument is that the, the lower the supply of housing becomes, the more competitive it becomes for the people trying to buy, which means the price will just go up and up and up. And a lot of people will yeah. just be priced out of markets because they won't be able to afford the prices that houses are selling for. So uh, yeah. since the global financial crisis of 2008, 2009, house prices have nearly doubled nationwide and more mm -hmm. than doubled in Sydney and Melbourne. But wages yeah. have not kept pace with those price rises. And again, that just means that yeah. people aren't earning enough money to be able to afford uh, to buy houses in a lot of the areas where the price has just gone crazy. The RBA is planning to keep the cash rate low, which means that the price of borrowing money is going to stay cheap up until 2024. Home prices are predicted to spike 17% this year and 16.2% in 2022, which was according to the poll that Reuters, uh, according yeah, Reuters, to the Reuters yeah. poll of 12 property market analysts. So demand's outstripping supply at a high rate in most of the country, which is going to create affordability yeah. issues. So... There's not much really to add to that, but was there anything, any of your thoughts you wanted to say? No, look, I, th I, I, I think one of the things that they conveniently leave out when they're comparing prices to wages is they're conveniently leaving out that interest rates around that time were 10, probably 12%, and now they're 1% to 2%. So it's just not all about wages. Um, what, what it is, um, it's about, you know, banks used to serve, assess um, your servicing at about seven and a half percent. Now they're now they're assessing your servicing at you know low five percent. So I don't think it's just a matter of saying um, prices of this, wages were this. Now prices of this and wages of this. I think that's it's quite simplistic. And the the thing is, it's all about affordability. It's all about affordability and about um, and a lot of that's to do with with interest rates. Yeah, you know, interest rates. Um, like if you're an investor and you know you can get a five percent rental yield on a property and the interest rate is two and a half to three percent, well, you're making two percent, you know, less costs, of course, plus you're gonna get capital growth. So I just think um I can see where they're coming from, you know, they're compared to wages. Um everything, yeah, house prices have doubled, but wages haven't, but interest rates have dropped through the floor. So I think their, their analysis is, um, is a bit um, skewed.
So what if it's if it's more if it's more than that? Can you? Yeah, I just don't. I just don't think. I think their analysis is too simplistic, and there's more to it than that. Um, it's like when people suggest that buying a property to live in and buying an investment is the same thing. It's not. Um, yeah, because buying to live in a place is about emotion and it's about lifestyle and it's about convenience and about amenity. Whereas when you're buying investment property, it's about the numbers. It's what's the what's the return and what's the likely capital growth and what's what's the 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 person who's going to live in the house. It's about them, not about you. So right. I just I just yeah I just think you know sometimes some people oversimplify things and then say you know because of X follows Y when in fact it you know it's part of it but it's not the full story. So so would you say that affordability and the way that wage growth hasn't kept pace with uh, the price rise is a factor, mm -hmm. but it's not the only factor. It's also that there's a lack of housing supply. So it's an ultra competitive yes. market. So there's yeah. other things to say. It's not just this, but this is playing a role. Is that a better way yeah, to maybe I, describe yeah, it's, it? Yeah, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely part of it, but yeah. it's not. Yeah, you can't you can't just you can't say that the reason people can't afford property is because wages are not keeping pace with with um, property prices. It's one of the factors, but it's not the only factor. Yeah, and it seems and, it know, seems most and yeah in the last in the last year we've had record numbers of first home buyers buy property. So when people come out and say first home buyers can't get in the market, it's it's wrong. It's just wrong and no one's calling it out because record numbers of people have record numbers of first home buyers have got in the market. Now, sure. some of them use family parental guarantees, you know, the bank of mum and dad. Some have been able to get um, government, incentives. Builder, government incentives. Plenty of We've helped plenty of first home buyers as of brokers and banks all around the country, plenty of them who've paid mortgage insurance, who've, um, you know, rented and saved money. Um, because it was their priority to buy a house. Like any other subject, the media covers it in a way to be doom and gloom and negative because yeah. that's sort of how the eyeballs are generated, right? So yeah, sure. first home yeah. buyers, and I think Terry Ryder covered this before a couple of weeks ago where never before have this many first home buyers been in the market as they were in 2020 people are being priced out, but that's not all due to what I feel like is becoming the stereotype of the situation, which is all of these rich baby boomers that own four investment properties in Sydney that are just pricing mm. everybody out. That's an aspect of it, but it's also mm. record numbers of first home buyers who have got government incentives and really cheap money to borrow yeah. that are yeah. getting involved as well. So it's not, it's a bit more nuanced, but nuance is fucking, there's no nuance anymore in anything, Dave. So um, Absolutely. we shouldn't be surprised. We'll put, I think we're going to put some bumpers around it. This one I thought was really interesting. This doesn't really have anything to do with most things that we cover. I just thought this was an interesting stat because yeah. I think the, the mindset around people thinking that Chinese or Asian investment is just dominating the Australian sector, it might be mm -hmm. a bit more wrong than we realise. So uh, in, a, in a recent study, 82% of Australians believe that the housing cost increase is due to Chinese investment. 
uh, a lot of this they think is attributed mainly to Aussie buyers and record record low interest rates. So the, the more Aussies are trying to buy a house than ever before, and banks are offering such cheap interest rates to get loans that people want to get into the market quicker because of how cheap it is. To sort of add on to this, the annual report for 2019 to 2020 by the Foreign Investment Review Board reviewed the it, it, it revealed the top five countries investing in Australian real estate. The United States was the top of that list with $13.1 billion. Singapore yeah. was second, China was third, Germany was fourth, and Canada was fifth. So it's just interesting. It's interesting. I think um, that's not something I, I, I thought was going to be the result. I didn't think that the US were going to be the biggest investors in, uh, as, in terms of foreign investment. Canada didn't surprise me because I've heard enough Canadians talk about wanting to buy property here. But I think that was probably a statistic we won't have in the media or in the newspapers for people to read because it doesn't go with the narratives they like. But uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting stat for sure that surprised me. Yeah, look, I, I remember we talked a couple of months back about the number of um, American and English people who were, you know, they, they were tracking the number of um, internet searches from people overseas on Australian property and England and the US were the, were the highest. Um, if you'd done that, if they'd done that stat a couple of years ago, China might have been, yeah, maybe at the top of the list. But I think since the pandemic, um, yeah, Australia has, as a country, has suggested that um, yeah, the, the the COVID virus was you know came from a lab in China, and China have reacted to that, and a lot of Chinese students have gone home, and allegedly um, the Chinese government suggesting people shouldn't Chinese shouldn't come here, so it might actually be. Um, some of that as well, that there is, yeah, there, there could be less Chinese investment moving forward. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, uh, more Americans, like there's more Hollywood movie stars over here. So they get notoriety for being here. So it gets more promotion. Mm-hmm. So it's probably, it's probably not surprising, but um, yeah, but that's the thing. I, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, a lot of people, yeah, probably a lot of people, if you said to them, yeah, who do you, do you think, yeah, Invest, investment by overseas people's ruin in the property market. A lot of people probably say yes, and if they were asked which country, they probably would say China. But as the stats show, it's probably not. We've talked about this before about um, you know com- competitive um, interest rates, and you mentioned the Westpac ones. Um, quite a lot of banks are dropping their variable rates for. Um, owner occupiers and investors. So if people haven't sort of looked around at what they're what they're paying, um, probably would be a good time to do so. Um, we have mentioned like the number of listings down and the number of sales up. I was looking at the Heron Todd White property clock, which is where they put on the on the clock. You know, twelve o'clock is top of the market. Um, the six o'clock on the on the clock is bottom of the market, and then you've got nine o'clock being you know, a rising market, and three o'clock being a declining market. For July, for units and houses, there was not one declining market in Australia on that property clock, which is probably the first time I've ever seen that. So, nearly every market is 
in growth or at the top of the market. So it'll just be interesting to see how that how that plays out. The only other thing is um, if people have got loans and are currently you know, on the COVID payment because they're not working, if if they do if they do need help, reach out to the, reach out to your bank or your broker um, because um, yeah, there's help available. If people wanted to get in touch, we've got the, you can go to our website, moneysaverhomeloans.com.au. We've got a bunch of calculators on there. There's no obligation. So if you wanted to just sort of check out any numbers, you don't need to, uh, you don't necessarily need to contact us to do that. You can just go onto the website and look into what options you have and your serviceability, things like that. Our Instagram is popping. We've started our Instagram going on. So if you just look mm-hmm. up Money Saver Home Loans on Instagram, all one word and lowercase, yeah. you'll find us there. Uh, and Money Saver Home Loans on Facebook. We've also got a little competition we're going to have. So that's to do with the War and Peace book, if you want to run mm-hmm. run through that, Dave. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking that um, yeah, if you want to contact um contact us on Instagram um, each week, I'll give an update which page I'm up to. And if anyone guesses the right page number, um, we'll give them a $25 gift voucher. Easy. Beautiful. Just for a bit of fun. Um, there's also a, uh, there's a cafe close by to me in Richmond called Status Quo Pop-Up Shop. They are a local cafe run by two of our friends, uh, Mel and Michael. They also do a lot of support of local Aussie and usually local as in Melbourne artists. So you can go in there and buy any artwork from a local artist. You'll be supporting them and supporting the cafe. They're also running a Father's Day uh, sale right now. So if you go onto their website, I believe it's statusquopopup.square.com. If you just Google status quo pop-up cafe, you'll find them. Uh, They've got some good deals going on right now if you're looking for something to buy uh, for Father's Day. So I highly recommend that. They're a good, they're a good bunch of people over there. They run a really tight ship and it's a good company too. So that's about it. You had anything to add for that one, Dave? Uh, uh, all good. Okay, beautiful.